0: Good morning to everyone watching and listening around the world. God bless you. Hope you had a good week. We love you very much. Thank you for communicating with us when you do. Uh, we hope you've been enjoying our exposition of the Gospel of John. And thank you for joining us. And for those of you who are in danger or distress, we, we thank you constantly. We love you very much. Uh, Thank you for joining us. We're very proud and very humble to be joined by brothers and sisters and others uh, the world over from our, our small, humble efforts here. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful day which points to the world to come, upon which we have placed all of our hopes. You are our one and only hope, and you are more than hope enough for one and for all. Thank you for creating us. Thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for making us part of your divine plan. To know you, the one and only true creator, redeemer God, you who are absolute and ultimate reality. To know you, to glorify you, and to enjoy you forever in the world to come. Thank you for saving us from an evil world, and the evil which fills it. We pray for our brothers and sisters the world over, open their hearts and their minds as ours to receive the truth of your word and to translate your word into action in their life and of course by the graciousness and by the presence and influence of your spirit. We pray for everyone who has been mentioned this morning, every need for prayer, reveal yourself to these folks in the way that you see fit and proper and that you know best. We pray for folks who've been joining us, watching and listening the world over, in particular those who are in distress or danger. Please keep them safe. Rescue them from their enemies, your enemies. Protect them, keep them safe, but yet help them to live out the gospel life and to be a faithful witness for you. Help us to follow along in their footsteps faithfully in any way that is called upon us that is incumbent upon us we thank you for this opportunity to teach your word to persons in our country in our community and abroad please bless our flawed and humble efforts may the meditations of all of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing to you O sovereign lord god our rock and our redeemer in jesus holy name we pray amen would you stand please to honor the reading of the word of the Lord. Gospel of John chapter 3, verses 5 to 6. John chapter 3, verses 5 to 6. Born of water and the Spirit, we will entitle this message, the exposition of these two verses. Jesus Pardon me, I'm going to go to the top of the chapter. I know we're just going to um, explore the truth found in chapters 5 and 6. And forgive my expression, i want to take a running leap into it, get a running start into it. And hopefully as I read from the top of the chapter, uh, pray God you'll refer to your notes. Or you'll remember the past two Sundays and the truth that we un- unpacked, that we delved into from the top of this conversation. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him, that is, Jesus, by night, and said to him, Rabbi, we know you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? The verses for today's exposition. Jesus' reply. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God for them. Thank you, folks. You may be seated. So, obviously, Jesus isn't backing down now, is he? From Nicodemus' reply, Nicodemus' still something of a challenge. Nicodemus' retort to Jesus' demand that this spiritual condition, this uh, new life, this new birth must be met, must be given. Not by Nicodemus' power, not by human power, but by the whim and will and power and divine plan of God. So Jesus actually advances here in verse 5. He's very gracious. He's very generous. He's very patient with this man Nicodemus. But he's not backing down. He's not budging away from the truth that he stated, from his position. Not one bit, nor should he. He who is absolute truth and the source of all truth is revealing one of the most important truths ever given to and for humanity. So Jesus advances. He presses home the truth he's revealed to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, yes, somewhat unable to fully understand. He strayed pretty far from the scriptures that he's supposed to be an expert on. If he really was the expert in the sacred scriptures, the Old Testament, he would have understood what Jesus is saying, what Jesus is alluding to. And Jesus will chide him for it before this conversation is over. He'll rebuke him for not knowing or understanding what he's speaking of. And yes, Nicodemus probably is somewhat unwilling at this point in the conversation to fully accept or understand what Jesus is proposing, what Jesus actually is demanding of a fashion. But Jesus generously, patiently, yet with force and authority, proceeds to drive forward with his point. And he'll elaborate on this truth. The most profound truth, one of the most profound truths ever given to or for lost human beings such as we ourselves. First notice that Jesus, he does proceed from a position of truth. He does proceed from a position of authority. And he states this again by using his very famous and very meaningful preface that we've discussed before. Truly, truly, I say to you. It's very forceful the second time he uses it, I believe. And again, by way of explanation, well, really, we should know what this means by now, right? I've explained this to you a couple of times and we will probably remind you again in our journey through this gospel. Jesus, by saying, Amen, Amen, I say to you, Amen in the original Aramaic, He is saying several things. He's saying, first of all, I'm telling you an absolute, indisputable, irrefutable fact. What I'm stating to you is absolute truth. And I'm stating that absolute truth to you with authority. He is implying his sovereign authority, his transcendent authority. Many Bible scholars, and I believe they're absolutely right, they're saying that Jesus is somewhat paraphrasing the phrase of the prophets from the Old Testament. Thus says the Lord. Amen, amen, I truly, truly, I say to you is something of a paraphrase. These are the words of the Lord. These are the words of God that I am giving to you. Therefore, they are of absolute truth and absolute authority. Of course, he speaks with absolute truth and authority. He is the very word of God made flesh, speaking to this man, speaking to all of us. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am speaking to you with absolute truth, absolute authority. I am, in fact, giving you the words of the Lord. Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot, he will not, they will not, cannot enter the kingdom of God. First of all, unless one. Very interesting. Unless one. Jesus is again saying something must happen in, something must happen to, something must happen for a person. A new state of being must be achieved. A new state of life must be achieved. A certain condition, spiritual, must be met. A life, a spiritual life, must be given. A complete transformation must take place in a person by God's power and by God's work or he or she, they. He's speaking for all of humanity. The you is plural. When he's talking to Nicodemus, I believe I mentioned to you last week, the you in this conversation goes from the singular to the plural. He goes from speaking merely of Nicodemus to everyone, to all of humanity. Unless one is born of water in the Spirit, I cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, notice, now what Jesus says here, notice, he's pressing home. He's driving forward with the reality, the condition of this new birth again. But he does begin to elaborate more about what this born again experience is, what this born again or what this born a new life is all about. And notice, we're not far into this conversation. Nicodemus makes a statement, Jesus replies, Nicodemus retorts to that, Jesus makes another reply. And he uses different language, doesn't he? First of all, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now here, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he, she, or they cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So he uses slightly different language concerning this new birth in his reply to Nicodemus. It's fascinating. It's really wonderful what he does. And by the way, Jesus masterfully uses the Koine Greek language in this this conversation. It's absolutely fascinating studying this from the original language. And I agree with those Bible scholars who think that these two men are probably using both languages. Aramaic, their natural tongue, their natural language, but they're also probably debating or communicating to one another, having this conversation in Koine Greek as well, as the learned and educated would do in the first century. And they can lapse from one language into the, or the other, depending on how they wish to use the language in making a point, a very important point. And Jesus masterfully uses the language here. He's later on going to make a very beautiful play on words with Numa which you can translate as breath, wind, or spirit. It's one of the most beautiful plays on words that you'll read in the New Testament. But, elaborating here on what this born-again life is all about, what does he mean? Let me put the two phrases together for you this way. Jesus states, unless one is born, anothen, remember I gave you that important word last week, Which can arguably, in this conversation, I believe Jesus means at both meanings. you can translate it as again or from above. I think he's saying both. Unless one is born again from above, now of water and the Spirit, he or she, a person, cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now the word for Spirit there is very important. I don't know what translation or version you have. Uh, Some will have a small S, some have a capital S. I believe it should probably be a capital S. Some believe that Jesus is speaking born again of water and the spirit as of a cleansing of the soul, the image of water, in the person's soul, spirit. So they want to not capitalize the word spirit. They want to interpret it as referring to the human spirit. I disagree with that. I think he is referring to the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity. He is speaking of a new birth and a cleansing of the human spirit, the human soul, but he is speaking of a cleansing of the human soul and spirit by the power of the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit, who is applying the atoning work of the Son to the souls of human beings. So I believe we should uh, keep Born of Water and the Spirit, capitalized Spirit, Numa. You can translate that word breath, wind, or spirit. Here, Spirit, the Spirit of God. Unless that person is born again from above by the power and will of God, born of water, a cleansing of the soul, by the power of the Spirit, the Spirit of God, they cannot enter the kingdom of God. So according to Jesus, to be born again from above means a person is born anew of or from water in the Spirit. Now that's fascinating. What does he mean here? Let's dig down a little bit deeper. Proceeding deeper into this new birth from above. Well, first of all, the wording of Jesus' statement indicates and structs that these terms... Born again from above, born again from above, born of water in the Spirit. You have to understand them in relation one to the other. In other words, let me explain it this way. Born of water and the Spirit is an explanation of what it is to be born again from above. They're, talk, he's talking about the same thing. He's just expressing it in slightly different terms. If one is born again from above, then they are born of water in the Spirit. If a person is born of water in the Spirit, they are born again from above. He's not talking about two births. He's talking about one. They're the same reality. So Jesus is speaking of a singular spiritual birth, not a plural one. You're not born again from above, and then you're born again again of water in the Spirit. No, they're the same thing. Now, some have wondered that... Here's some various interpretations to the years. Some have uh, posited that perhaps we should interpret this way. Jesus is saying, uh, born of water, that is speaking of the amniotic fluid that uh, that surrounds all babies in their mother's womb before they are born, referring to natural birth and then physical birth. Well, Jesus is telling this man that first there is a physical birth that we all go through, but Jesus is speaking here specifically in this conversation of a spiritual birth, the second birth, the born a new birth. So I don't think water here, the image of water that Jesus is using, refers to natural birth. Water and the Spirit is referring to the born-again birth from above. He is speaking entirely about this spiritual birth, this second birth. Well, So what does this water mean? What does this water represent? If we're referring specifically and only to a spiritual birth, well, again, let me press this point home to be born again from above is the same thing as being born of water and the Spirit. He's going to explain what being born again from above is by telling him what this birth of water and Spirit is. And by the way, right, Nicodemus, if he is the theologian par excellence of Israel that he claims to be, he should be picking up on this imagery from the Old Testament that Jesus is giving him. So, at this point in the conversation, in driving his point home and elaborating on his point, this is bad news for Nicodemus. This is bad news for Nicodemus and anyone else who believes in what we call works-righteousness religion. Jesus flatly refutes that. He flatly refutes anyone wishing to work or earn their entrance in any way into God's kingdom. The way into God's eternal kingdom and all... God's eternal kingdom means and brings that is not achieved that is not worked out by any human effort or achievement in any way whatsoever and he who is the word made flesh is adamant about this fact and oh how sinful human beings can't let go of this now can we we want to earn our way into heaven so that we can nurse the sin of pride so that we can claim something of our salvation for ourselves. We can claim credit for it. We can take credit for it in some way. We wish to hang on to something of and for ourselves. That sin of pride. That sin of self-worship. Which originally condemns us all. We want to enter heaven our way on our terms. And Jesus says, absolutely not. That will not do. That will not work. According to Jesus, who is the divine you see twice over this early in the conversation Jesus says no that is not the way the way is by let me throw a fancy theological term from theological circles at you the way is by regeneration to be regenerated a new birth a new life from above reborn by the will and by the power of God. There simply is no other way, according to Jesus. Now, let me throw this at you. Something to think about. There is more than one reason why Jesus refers to this as a new birth. Think about this. Logically, rationally, and reasonably, which you should. We should, about all of Scripture. And that's the way Jesus is dealing with this man in this conversation, which he's dealing with all of There's another reason why Jesus refers to this as a birth. You can refer to this as a birth because it's a new life. It's a brand new life by the power of God, by the divine parent, by God. So yes, obviously, you could reasonably refer to this as a new birth. But there's another reason. Let me ask you a question. How hard a day's work did you put in on the day that you were born? Your mother put in quite a hard day's work. In fact, your mother probably. You were putting up quite a fight. God bless our mothers. But how, how hard did you put in on the day that you were born? How much of a contribution did you make to your birth? That's right. None whatsoever. Our mother did all of the work. Birth is something that happened to us. That's why, one of the reasons why Jesus calls this a new birth. You don't work your way into this new birth, you do not birth yourself, you do not participate in the birthing process of the second birth, no more than you participated in the birthing process of the physical birth, the first birth. Birth is something that happens to you. As with the first birth, it's something that happens to you, so it is with the second birth, the spiritual birth, the born again birth, it happens to you. You don't do the work, the parent does the work. In this second birth, the divine parent, God, God the Father does the work in the second birth. Now what of born of water in the Spirit? Let's dig a little bit deeper what he means here. To be born anew from above is to be born of water in the Spirit. Now what does Jesus mean by this? Well, these words have generated many interpretations over the years. A great deal of ink has been spilled over them for the past 2,000 years, as you can imagine. Some of them good, some of them perfectly correct. Others, well, not so good. But here, the correct interpretation... The correct meaning. I'm going to get this through one way or the other. There are people out there that need to hear this. Here's the key to the correct interpretation. It's really very easy. Rather straightforward. If in doubt, folks, go to the Bible itself. If you have any questions about biblical interpretation... Simply go to the Bible itself. The correct interpretation, the correct meaning, is always to be found in Scripture. Here, of course, the Old Testament, the sacred Scriptures at the time of the first century when Jesus is having this conversation with Nicodemus. Yes, Jesus is drawing from the Old Testament. If one wants to interpret the Bible and Jesus' words here correctly, then seek Scripture to interpret the Scripture, and you cannot go wrong. This new birth, this new life from above, yes, it is something spoken of. It is prophesied. It is promised in the Old Testament. And Jesus is referring, and Jesus is alluding to this. And he expects Nicodemus to pick up on what he's talking about. Now this exact, the exact words that Jesus uses, born anew of water and the Spirit, These words together, these exact words, do not appear as such in the Old Testament. Nevertheless, the truth is there. The reality is there. The truth of what Jesus means in these words is in fact found in the Old Testament, I assure you. The promised truth of a reality of a new life, a transformation life, a new birth given by God, that truth is found in the Old Testament. Now first of all, in the New Testament, or pardon me, the Old Testament from Genesis onwards. God's Holy Spirit is spoken of as the giver of life. Now, yes, God is the giver of life. Father God is the giver of life. God the Son is the giver of life. God the Spirit is the giver of life. But Jesus is referring to now the Spirit of God in this conversation with Nicodemus as the giver of life in the spirit of God has always been spoken of in sacred scripture as the giver of life. Remember, when you see God at work, you are seeing a trinitarian work. Let me remind you of that. Now Jesus will specifically be speaking of the work of God the Holy Spirit, born of water and the spirit. But when you see one member of the Trinity, you see all the members of the Trinity at work. When God is at work, it is a Trinitarian work. God is three in his personhood Father, Son, and Spirit, but he is one in his nature and his essence and his being. The beautiful and wonderful mystery of Trinity. Now, in many Old Testament passages, and I'm sure you're all familiar with the prophet Joel. In the last days or in latter times, in the last great age of history, the Messianic age, after Messiah comes, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, upon my redeemed people, in a powerful way such as never before in history. We're all familiar with that wonderful prophecy of Joel, but there are others. Now, this is what frustrates me about Sunday morning. If we were studying this on Tuesday night, I would pick apart many if not all of these Old Testament passages that Jesus is referring to, that Jesus is alluding to by speaking of being born again by water in the Spirit. But unfortunately for Sunday morning, I just don't have the time. So I'll give you the, probably the primary one, one of the most principal ones. But there are many Old Testament passages. You folks who have your study Bibles, use those study Bibles. Those study Bibles will guide you to those passages. Or I can tell you more about them on some other occasion. But many Old Testament passages points forward to a time when God's Spirit in the last great era of history will be poured out onto and into humankind, His redeemed people. Also in the Old Testament, yes, numerous passages, this is important to understand what Jesus is saying. The image of water. In the Old Testament, water is often, in fact, water is, what's the word I'm looking for? Commonly or uh, habitually used to describe renewal or cleansing. Remember that. Water is a very powerful image in the Old Testament for the renewal or cleansing of a person's soul. For spiritual renewal. Jesus is using it exactly the same way here. Spiritual cleansing from sin. Especially in conjunction with the work of God's Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus is talking about. This is what he's referring to. This is what he's alluding to. God's Holy Spirit cleanses people, cleanses their soul, renews them, gives them new life, grants them a refreshing new life. Again, this truth is found in numerous passages. One of the most important, and I believe this is probably the principal one that Jesus is referring to. Many theologians believe that this is the passage that Jesus is specifically alluding to. It's Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel 36, 25-27. And the influence of the prophet Ezekiel will be seen again in the Gospel of John. Now, some have suggested, once again, born of water in the Spirit. Well, some people have jumped to the conclusion that he means water baptism. I don't believe that's a correct interpretation either. I don't see why people would say that. There are some folks who believe that water baptism is a part of your salvation. I believe sacred scripture completely refutes that, as do the words of the Lord himself and the inspired apostles. We should obey water baptism. It is a command. But water baptism, the rite or the ceremony of water baptism, is a symbol of our born-again life, a symbol of our salvation, a symbol of our solidarity with Christ, His death and His resurrection, and our place in His kingdom. But water baptism isn't necessary for salvation. Jesus is talking about salvation here. What is absolutely necessary? in order for this born-again life, born of water and the Spirit, to be achieved. So he's not talking about water baptism. By the way, Jesus hasn't even established or inaugurated what we call Christian baptism yet. He's talking about a cleansing of the soul, a washing out of the guilt, of the corruption of the human soul by the power of the Spirit of God. So let's look at Ezekiel 36. Just look at it briefly so you can see specifically one of the passages he's talking about. Verse 25. Now in this passage in Ezekiel and Jeremiah, there's another prophecy of the new covenant. And other prophets will mention this new covenant. What happens when Messiah arrives? What does he accomplish when he arrives? What's this era of his, what happens in this era of history we call the Messianic Age when the promised one finally shows up and performs his work that we've all been promised, that we've all been counting on? Well, part of this chapter is about the restoration of Israel from their captivity. But part of this is a prophecy about Jesus, what he will do, what he will accomplish when he arrives, when he comes. And you can see the similarity of the language here. Start in verse 25. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you. Sound familiar? The cleansing of a human soul. Water is a metaphor. The spiritual cleansing. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all of your filthiness and from all of your idolatry. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. That's the new birth. That's precisely what Jesus is talking about. I've told you this before. To the ancient people, what is the heart? Cardia in the Greek. It's not just that muscle that beats in your chest pumping blood. The heart was this place. The ancients believed that it was this place In the core of a person where the soul, where the spirit resides. That's the heart, the seat of the soul, the will, the emotions. The core of a person's being. That's what he's talking about. So if you're given a new core of your being, a new heart, you're given a new soul, a new spirit that's been cleansed by God. Couldn't you call that, what, a new birth? If you're given a new life, it's a new birth. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I'm going to give you a new heart. The ancients would say, He's going to give us a new core of our being, a new heart, as in a new soul, and a new spirit. That's exactly what He's saying. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. And here's, I will put my spirit within you. Folks, that would have just absolutely, if I can use the expression, blown the minds of ancient Jews in reading this prophecy of Ezekiel. God the Almighty is going to place something of His Spirit inside of us, in our soul, to clean us up and give us new life. That's exactly what the prophet is prophesying. That's exactly what the Messiah is going to do. That's exactly what His person and His work is going to accomplish. That's exactly what Jesus is talking about and referring to in this conversation with Nicodemus. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. So you see, Ezekiel's prophesying the new birth from above. The new birth by water and spirit, the spirit of God. So when Jesus makes the statement, a new birth born of water and the spirit, what Jesus means here is a new spiritual birth. Just as the prophet said, in the human heart, in the human soul by the power of God by the power of God's Spirit which washes and cleanses a person of their sin and brings about new life real transformation real new life by renewal of the power and presence of God's Spirit this is how it's achieved this is how it happens this is how it works there's nothing that a human being can do to accomplish this It is all 110% by the power of God. When this new birth takes place, the Spirit of God enters the person's soul. Remember what Ezekiel said? I will put my spirit within you, says the Lord, giving cleansing to the soul and new spiritual life. Now, I should make a point to mention this again. Make a special point to mention The new birth that Jesus is speaking of, a person's salvation is, yes, a work of God, just as Jesus has said, but it is a work of the Trinity. The remainder of the Gospels in the New Testament will inform us. Let me explain it to you this way. A person's salvation is a work of God, just as Jesus said, Father, Son, and Spirit. Our salvation, our new birth, it is willed, it is decreed by a plan of God Almighty the Father. Our salvation is actually won by the atoning work, the redeeming work in His first advent of God the Son, He who is the Word made flesh. The work of the Son, the accomplished, atoning, redeeming work of the Son is applied to the human soul by God the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus is saying here. The work of the Son is applied to the human soul By the work of God the Spirit. And one is what? Born anew from above. By water and the Spirit. This is what Jesus is saying. This is what he's proclaiming. This is what he's teaching to Nicodemus and to all of us. This is how it happens, folks. This is how it works. This is how a person will enter the kingdom of God. That place in eternity, which is holy, which is perfect which is remade, which is incorruptible, which is eternal, where you will live in a holy, your soul, holy, your body raised holy and incorruptible forever in the personal presence of God. The condition, the life that God Almighty intended for His human creatures in the first place, truly bearing His image and glorifying Him forever. This is how. One enters the kingdom of God, the one way, the only way. The ministry and work of not only God the Son, the Word made flesh, our Lord Jesus, but Jesus is also saying, also the ministry of God the Holy Spirit is important here and plays a critical role. In fact, if you look all through the Gospel of John, some of the most wonderful and important information that you will ever receive of the person work of God the Holy Spirit comes from John's Gospel. The work of the Spirit is very important in John's Gospel. Also, I should mention, once again, water. The element of water, the image of water, is a very important element and image in the remainder of John's Gospel to teach us very important spiritual or theological truths. In fact, Jesus will use water again. Thereby, John will use water to express a number of truths about a person's soul being cleansed. Rid of their guilt, rid of their rebellion before God, rid of our moral corruption, a fresh new life, a restoration or spiritual refreshment. Water also will in this gospel, water will again directly represent the person of the Spirit of God. You see that when Jesus uses this phrase, these words, water in the Spirit, again, he's referring to the work of the God, Father, Son, and Spirit. The Spirit, according to Jesus, yes, has a critical role In the cleansing, but the cleansing would not be complete without the work of God the Son. The three are one. This is a Trinitarian work. Those born from water in the Spirit. It's referring to this radical, this this revolutionary new birth that yields a cleansing and a renewal, that's what? It's a manifestation of what God promised from long ago. That's what Jesus is saying. This new birth, born of water and the Spirit, that Jesus is teaching Nicodemus, that He's telling us about. It's a demonstration of God's power. It's a demonstration, a manifestation of what God promised and what the prophets prophesied long ago, centuries ago, in the Old Testament. As Edward Klink writes in his commentary, this is so overwhelmingly rooted in God, it can only be described as from above and explained with various Old Testament images and prophecies. Nicodemus is not only directed to see this new birth and so enter into the kingdom of God, he is invited to enter into this new birth so that he can enter into the kingdom of God. And we all are invited to do so along with him. In Jesus, what God promised has now been fulfilled. That's what Jesus is saying. It's one of the most wonderful times in history. He's suddenly implying to Nicodemus all of those prophecies. The time has come. It's here. The time of fulfillment is here. Ezekiel's prophecy, the fulfillment of it, it's being fulfilled now, Nicodemus. The time is now. The time has come. Yes, you see what Jesus is subtly implying here if you look at it closely, which we should. What he's saying here to Nicodemus, what he's saying to any student of the Old Testament Scriptures, by teaching the truth of this new birth, by drawing from Ezekiel and alluding to the other prophets, he's saying that what Ezekiel prophesied is here. The Messianic age has arrived. Which means what? That means Messiah has arrived. Which means what? Messiah and His work has come and will bring about this new birth from above by water in the Spirit. So Jesus is subtly telling Nicodemus that He is the Messiah. He is the prophesied and anointed one of God who brings about this new birth. His accomplished work. That's why He's teaching this. That's why He's proclaiming it. Verse 6, That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. You see, he has to hammer home another fundamental fact or fundamental truth to this man who wants to earn his own way on his own terms into the kingdom of God. So Jesus is again placing great emphasis on the fact that he's speaking of a spiritual birth, a spiritual reality, not a physical one. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, Nicodemus, and that which is born of the Spirit is Is spirit, the physical birth, what we refer to as our physical birth, that's the first birth in this life. The spiritual birth is something completely different. That's the second birth. That's the most important one. Jesus is talking about this new birth from above. But Jesus is also emphasizing to Nicodemus, this man who is so proud of, who is so counting on his birth, his natural birth, his first birth, his physical birth. In other words, his pedigree, his ethnic pedigree, his family credentials, his religious background to let him coast into the kingdom of God. He's counting on this. And Jesus is telling him again, no. Jesus is telling Nicodemus that those things really do not even matter. Physical birth. Your physical birth your pedigree, your, 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 your family credentials, your family background. These things, Nicodemus, they don't give you, they don't give anybody else any advantage or any priority in the sphere of the spiritual birth, human salvation. You see, Jesus, let me offer you something of, of a modern language paraphrase, if I may. Staying faithful to the original, but giving you something of a paraphrase of what he's saying to this man. Sinful human nature produces nothing but sinful human nature no matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you work. Sinful human nature, Nicodemus, will only produce sinful human nature. That which is born of sinful flesh is sinful flesh. It will never be anything otherwise. That cannot enter the kingdom of God. Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean thing, Nicodemus? Who can create the holy out of the unholy? No one. No one human. That's Jesus' point but god only god god can with humanity it is impossible the gospel the good news take heart be of good cheer with god all things are possible only god only the holy spirit of god can produce the cleaned cleansed sanctified human nature that's jesus point and it is available to you nicodemus it can happen that's what i've come to do That's what I've come to offer. That's what I've come to bring, Jesus is saying. Jesus is making a simple fundamental statement, a simple fundamental fact, isn't he? His point is that natural human birth of fallen humanity can only produce people who are fallen. Fallen, corrupted human beings of this world. The fallen human sinful family, as we call it. Not children of God. Not those born of God that John mentions in the prologue. Not those who are holy and proper and fit to enter the kingdom of God and all that that means. And entering the kingdom of God, as I stated before, is God's original intent for humanity. Only God can produce a humanity fit and proper to dwell in his kingdom. A whole new type of human being altogether. That's what Jesus is saying has to be accomplished here. And it will be accomplished by God. God is to give human beings this new second birth. They must be born all over again in a very profound spiritual way by God's power. To be fit and proper and holy. To dwell in God's personal presence. To enter the kingdom. Only the Spirit of God can give birth to a spiritual people. Meaning an eternity people. A people who will live and dwell in eternity in the personal presence of the eternal God in His kingdom. Only the Holy Spirit of God can make a truly spiritual person. A person that God wishes to treat as His created human family, let's call them. To live with Him in His kingdom. Jesus is saying that here's one of the most important takeaways from this. One of the most important takeaways from this. And I know this word is so overused and so abused. Dare I use it here? But I will. This is a totally radical reality that Jesus is speaking about. A totally radical transformation of a person. You you cannot exaggerate this. What Jesus is telling Nicodemus and telling us is that only a new type of humanity altogether can enter and dwell in God's kingdom. Only a totally new type of human being, born again, can enter into God's kingdom. A human being, a humanity, born of God. The spiritual birth, the spiritual life, born of water in the Spirit. Again, the Spirit gives birth to spiritual people. What does that mean? People no longer belonging to this world. People who really do now, upon receiving the new birth, will belong to another world. Another world entirely. Another realm. Another kingdom. The kingdom of God. As D.A. Carson writes in his commentary, I love this quote, For human beings, those born of sinful flesh, to experience this new birth that makes them children of God, The eternal Word, who is Himself God, became flesh. And is condescending to have a conversation with this poor, pitiful man who thinks he's going to be able to work his way in. And by this conversation, he's speaking not only to him, but to billions the world over for the past 2,000 years and to us today. The nature of the new birth, the cleansing, the renewal of the soul that Jesus is speaking of, yes, it is quite radical. It is hard to exaggerate it. And it's something only God can accomplish. Jesus' point is wonderful. It's wonderfully profound. And yet it is when you explain it quite simple and straightforward in many ways. You see what he's saying? Flesh, sinful flesh, what humanity is, spirit, pure spirit, holy spirit, The things of God, the holy things of God, things of eternity, flesh and spirit, they're totally different spheres of reality. They're not compatible. They can't get along. Totally different spheres of reality. Jesus is saying each produces its own kind. Each produces its own offspring. Sinful flesh cannot produce the holy and the spiritual. Only God can take sinful flesh, give it a new birth and totally transforms sinful flesh to the spiritual to the eternal to the holy. And again, this isn't worked out on the outside by religiosity, by rules and regulations and rites and ceremonies and formulas. It doesn't happen that way. This is a new birth. It takes place from the inside out by the power of God. How many times from cover to cover does sacred scripture tell us you live your life from the inside out? That's precisely what Jesus is saying here. This birth takes place from the inside out. A total fundamental transformation of the soul. The core of a person. Only God can do that. One of the reasons why I repeat myself sometimes on Is because Jesus repeats himself and the apostles repeat themselves but one of the reasons why I repeat myself on Sunday mornings or on Tuesday nights in the modern age is because in learning things and appropriating things and retaining things very important concepts or truths especially abstract truths usually a person has to repeat these things several times before people will get it but before people will remember it before people will retain it and it's because of this disgusting modern age that we live in and the disgusting media that we deal with because you're used to just very superficial shallow images or sound bites most all of them lies by the way which are just thrown at you constantly here and gone so we have to repeat very important things for in this age for people to grasp these things and remember them and retain them. Why do you think that the propaganda mill media hammers you over and over and over with the same lie every day day in and day out? Because that's what propagandists do. They believe that if they repeat a lie more than enough times you'll fall for it and you'll start to believe it. Well here we repeat truth. Truth from he who is truth and the source of all truth. And repeat it several times or more. So pray God, you folks here, and who knows how many folks out there the world over, will retain these truths and translate these truths into action in their life and retain these truths. To close, I'll give you... Boy, we're really getting into the heart of this conversation now, aren't we? It's very, very interesting now, isn't it? And it's very, very interesting where this conversation is going to go, where Jesus and Nicodemus will take it. One of the most wonderful, one of the most important, quote unquote, private conversations ever given. And someone asked me, well, how can this be a private conversation, yet it was written down word for word? It's very simple. The good news is this particular story with this man Nicodemus, it ends well, remember? Nicodemus becomes a Christian. He becomes a disciple. He becomes a follower of Christ. He accepts this truth. He understands it. He realizes it. The Spirit of God opens his eyes. Jesus opens his eyes. I don't know if he became a Christian that night. Probably not. But in time, he did. And he became a recipient of the new birth. And I believe the Apostle John was given this conversation word by word from probably Nicodemus himself and most certainly John was given this conversation word by word from the Lord Jesus himself. And so that critical conversation has been given to the world at large. Last word for this morning. By a wonderful theologian by the name of Edward Clink. He writes, quote, "The one who speaks these words to Nicodemus is the divine who became flesh in order to save sinful flesh. Standing before Nicodemus and now confronting the reader is God. He who is pure eternal spirit become flesh. It is for this reason that the prologue of John so intimately connects this new birth to Christ, the word made flesh, his person and his work, the one and the only way. These things have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Word made flesh, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have the born-again life from above of water and the Spirit in His name. Sovereign or God or Heavenly Father, thank you for these words from He who is God the Son made flesh. Thank you for this wonderful conversation, so faithfully recorded for all fallen human beings the world over, for time immemorial until the Word made flesh returns. To hear these words and to receive real life, life as it was always meant to be, for your human creatures, your redeemed human creatures. I hope that someone here and abroad, as so many people in so many countries are now listening, I pray that by the power of your word and by the power of your spirit that some person who has been vainly trying to work their way into your presence, into your kingdom. I pray, God, that you will free them of that. That the words of Jesus may set them free. We can set these things down. We may put these things away. It is a vain exercise. All we have to do is throw ourselves entirely upon the graciousness and mercy of you, our gracious and merciful God. And by the power of God, by the power of the Spirit, by the work of the Son, receive this wonderful new life and be cleansed from the inside out and be made holy and be fit and proper to enter the eternal kingdom and live life as it was always meant to be for your human creatures who are to bear your image. Bless this message. Forgive the faults and failures of your failed messenger. But may your word go out through this community, this country, and the world over. And may the Spirit and the Word do their work, and many be brought in to this life that Jesus describes and offers. In Jesus' holy name, for his sake, and for the sake of his eternal kingdom, we pray. Amen.